This is Get More Done, a You Can Book Me podcast, and my name is Ben, your host. Since You Can Book Me helps millions of people save time each month, the team and I decided to start this podcast to explore productivity and to learn more about how folks manage their day, build systems to scale, and leverage automation, essentially how they do more with less. On today's episode, I met up with Tali Matajahu. Tali pivoted into an operations role after law school because of her love for creating efficiency. She now works as a product manager for Eversort, a tool designed to save lawyers time with contracts. Tali also has started a first-of-its-kind dating app called Blink that is built on voice-first connections to remove biases. On top of all that, she manages a podcast called Date in a Blink. During our conversation, she shares her tips on how she's getting all of this done and how to start a side hustle. Enjoy. Excellent. Welcome back to Get More Done, the podcast all about productivity and crushing of goals. Today, I'm sitting down with Tali Matityahu, the product manager at Evasort by day, and then by night, the co-founder and CEO of the Blink dating app. So Tali, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yes, uh, I'm excited to dig in to learn how you're managing everything as we'll get into. But as you may have seen from past, uh, past episodes, we start with an icebreaker question just to break the nerves up a little bit and get everybody comfortable. So in this episode, I'd love to know from you, if money and time were no object, what would you be doing right now? I would be traveling the world with my dogs, which the traveling the world, I think I could figure out, but the with the dogs part is an additional complication. Um, but I would definitely use the time and money to figure that out if I could. Nice. Where would be the first place you'd go? New Zealand, which I've already been to, but I want to go spend more time um, exploring. So New Zealand would definitely be at the top of the list. Oh, yeah. New Zealand's great. Like I hear you don't even have to wear shoes there. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that. I did wear shoes when I was there. Yeah. Maybe it was just some whack job I was talking with. No, maybe. So, so thanks again for being being on. And, and as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, you you have a full time job, and you're scaling a side business, and you you know put out a podcast and all your other efforts as well that you're working on. So, how are you doing all this, Tali? Like, what is your secret? I have lots of lots of to do lists um, and an incredible support system. So, the to do lists are like the day to day. What actually helps me get stuff done and make sure I don't forget things. And I use all sorts of to do lists. Like, I have you know reminders on my Mac. I have Asana for work and Blink and all of these things. And it's what helps me kind of remember things um, and make sure that nothing slips through the cracks. Uh, And beyond that, like having a a co-founder who is incredible and who lifts me up every day when it's hard and energizes me and, you know, reminds me of what we're working towards is honestly essential. And then having a life partner who also just picks up the slack, like making dinner and taking our dogs out and running errands when I can't because I'm juggling so much is is sort of essential. So I'm very lucky. Yeah, absolutely. I imagine your to-do lists are quite lengthy. So how do you how do you prioritize those? How do you how do you structure structure that? I usually kind of do a triage every day um, or the night before. I'll look over what I have to do. I'll look over my calendar. I'll see what I realistically have time for. And anything that's less important or just I know won't get done gets bumped, whether it's a day or a week or to a time that makes more sense. And I just sort of see it as, you know, sort of like if you 
yeah, like triage, like a, I don't want to equate myself to like a doctor, but sort of like just assessing the, you know, import of things and, and kind of picking the things that are most important and that I can dedicate my time to. And honestly, the other thing is I just stay up late, probably not the best solution, but when you're juggling a lot, um, and you have essentially two t- full-time jobs, it's, you know, it happens. It's not something to glorify. It's not something that I want to maintain forever. Um, but it is something that I do in order to get things done. Yeah, I think the triage idea of just what's bleeding, what's on fire, what needs to happen right away, and then the rest you can let go. And I mean, you need to be prioritizing your health as well. So I hope you're getting some sleep in there. Not as much as I'd like, but yes, I am getting sleep. (laughs) Awesome. So in in your past, you know, you were pursuing a career in law, but then you found a ton of inefficiency and moved over to like an operations role. So I'd love to learn a little bit more about that journey and any big improvements that you've made in past jobs, like uh, processes improvements that that you were most proud about. Yeah. So I really didn't enjoy being at a law firm because like you said, the inefficiencies, they're almost incentivized to be inefficient because they bill by the hour. And so um, that definitely just wasn't the space for me. I, I like making things more efficient. I like creativity. I like being just kind of more innovative than I was able to be um, at a firm. And so I transitioned to legal ops and that really let me focus on building efficiencies for in-house legal departments. And those teams often don't have huge budget budgets. So you have to get really creative and crafty. And in my case, I was hacking a lot of solutions, which was a ton of fun. And I really enjoyed it. Um, I would say the kind of, um, I think your question was, what's the kind of one that I was really excited about. The one that I loved most was one that I did at Netflix. The They have an incredible product org there that supports the internal kind of workings of Netflix, but there are a lot of gaps still. And so one of the things that I did was create an Airtable that synced data from all of these different apps and kind of filled in some of the places that weren't being filled some of the gaps that existed in the product ecosystem. Um, and that essentially like I was using it to trigger notifications using Zapier that we weren't getting through our automated systems. I used it to make deal data searchable and reportable so that people can also say like, Hey, I'm negotiating X type of deal. I want to see some of your deals, you know, that meet these parameters and we can very easily slice and dice it using structured data. Um, and so it was just a lot of fun to kind of essentially create a tool that can be melded into all different uses. Uh, just by kind of porting data from other systems and then layering on top, you know, no code type solutions like Zapier and, you know, whatever else I was using to kind of get crafty. And Airtable in and of itself is pretty incredible, like with its dashboards and its filtering and its view creation. Um, and so that, honestly, it was kind of an app in, in and of itself for the team. And I just kind of fell in love with Airtable too. So I now use it in, in other lives. Um, and so, yeah, that was a fun project to work on. Yeah, that sounds like a a massive overhaul of process. So, I mean, now looking back on it, it's a huge body of work, but how did you get started in that? How how did you kind of chip away and build that up into something something as monumental as it turned out to be? It started with the very basics. Um, and so the idea was like, oh, let's see if this works. And so we, you know, ported over data for, you know, a small subset of things and X amount of data points, and then gradually realized how valuable it was. And so we're like, oh, well, let's get this additional data point in. Let's go pull this information in from this other platform and let's start making it more robust. So it kind of grew over time and created all of these new branches. Eventually it also serviced other teams that needed cross functional information about these deals. Um, and so it was a really cool way to see it grow. And it actually, one thing that I was really proud of, it became a template for other teams. And the Airtable team actually used our base as like an example to, to create this for other um, content legal orgs, or I'm sorry, content verticals within the legal org. So it was really um, something that I was really proud of and 
was really fun to build. Yeah, absolutely. Just connecting the dots and just saving people time. I mean, you and I can both geek out on that all day because anytime I see a process where it's just like not efficient, and I'm, like, I'm allergic to it and I get all itchy. I'm like, it has to be better, right? Yes. It has to do, do it better. Um, so your full-time job is as a product owner um, on the Eversort team, which is a tool built for lawyers to help them save time. So can you tell us a little bit more about Eversort and the type of things that you and your team are working on? Yeah. So Eversort, I would say, has two primary product areas. They have their post-signature tool and pre-signature tool. And when I say that, I mean the signature of a contract. I know there are some folks here who might not think in, in legal terms. So just to kind of provide a little bit more color. Um, the post-signature tool, which kind of takes signed contracts and starts pulling out all this metadata automatically and makes it searchable and, you know, analyzable. A lot of what I was doing manually in previous lives um, is really, really incredible. It's AI powered. It's super advanced. Not like I might be a little bit biased, but objectively, it's one of the best in the market in terms of what it, it does. Um, and so it's a really cool thing to be able to, you know, take, you know, a thousand contracts, put it into a platform and see it pull out all of its data and like things that aren't just quantifiable, but like qualitative um, bits of information. And that makes it accessible for lawyers as they're continuing to work, as they're searching for things, um, as they're negotiating new deals. And so it's it's really amazing. Um, the other side of the platform is the pre-signature tool. It's a little bit younger. It's launched a year and a half ago, I would say. And it's what helps lawyers um, essentially intake requests from other teams and process them all the way through signature. And that's where it goes into the post-signature um, portion. It's newer. It's something that we still are doing a lot of work on. I actually own that product area at Evisor along with um, our Salesforce integration. Uh, and so it's, it's kind of cool to be able to work on a product that um, is still in its kind of nascent stage and be able to, to morph it from there. Yeah, absolutely. And in those, those early days, I assume customer feedback is quite imperative to what you're working on. So how do you all manage that feedback and kind of work with that? We get a ton of customer feedback, both directly and from uh, our customer success team, our sales team. And we get it through Slack, we get it through email, we get it on the phone, we get it through all the mediums. Um, and we use right now product board to organize all of it in terms of making sure it's all logged and tagged to different features. And then what I do is essentially create uh, categories of different things, whether it's, you know, the intake process, the actual form, the template, um, how our notifications work. And so I start categorizing it and organizing it based on thematic functions and then looking across them and saying, okay, where are we getting a ton of feedback? Where are we getting less feedback? And then I use that to prioritize, okay, if we're getting a lot of feedback about notifications and how people are not, you know, able to leverage them how they want to, maybe we should look at that as an example um, and start enhancing that to move the product forward. Yeah, exactly. Kind of seeing the aggregate and seeing where the most focus is, where the most attention is. Um, absolutely. Now, um, with your with your work there at Eversort, do you have any processes that you've built out to, to help your team save time? So processes at Eversort, I think one thing that was a particular pain point when I joined was how do we share information about product developments, um, both internally, cross-functionally, and then externally. One thing that I was super excited to try that I learned from Netflix is essentially internal newsletters from the product team about releases. And so we started with a manual version of it just to see if, you know, folks like the information that came from it. And we, um, essentially every, you know, two weeks or we had a weekly release schedule or every two weeks, whatever it was, um, we just essentially gathered all the tickets, wrote 
lay person's terms what it actually was and then shared that out internally. And then we eventually automated that using Jira and various things like that or various tools. Um, so that way nobody had to like actually go through manually and we had to add all sorts of, you know, bunch of fields in Jira. Like, do we actually want to announce this one? Do we want to translate this into a different, um, description than what is by default? And so there were some kind of additions and changes we had to do to our systems to make it work. Um, but once we were able to do that, now it's just a weekly trigger that sends out weekly automated um, updates internally, and then our go-to-market team can translate that for external um, purposes. Our sales team is aware of any updates. And so it was a really cool way to information share um, and more efficiently than we were before. Yeah, I don't think that could be understated of just that internal communication of everybody aware that's going on, of what's changing in the app and what's happening, and especially, you know, from the customer success, customer support teams of just knowing what's happening. It's really awesome that you were able to build build that out and then automate it because you're like, if we're spending time doing it, let's let's figure out a way to to have it have it, you know, work better for us. Really cool, really cool to hear. So, you know, you are the founder of this this side business that you're working on, this voice first dating dating app, which is called Blink. So how did you come up with the idea and get things started with that? Yeah. So the idea was actually uh, inspired by a dinner experience at a blackout restaurant that I had had many years ago. And I dined in the dark with total strangers, having no idea what they looked like and got the chance to talk to them and get to know them, you know, without any assumptions about who they were, whether you know, we were going to get along and it was incredible. We just had a really open conversation. The whole restaurant, in fact, was like super vulnerable and open. There was a birthday and I have never heard a restaurant burst out in song at the degree that, you know, they did that night. And I think it's because when you're shrouded in darkness and nobody can see you, you kind of lose some of your inhibitions. And so it was a beautiful evening. And after the, the dinner ended, I saw my table mates for the first time. And I realized had I seen them beforehand, I would have written them off as people that we didn't, you know, wouldn't have much in common with. And I would have been wrong. And it would have been a real shame. And so since then, I've had this kind of idea percolating in my mind of how can we leverage these sorts of experiences and, and get to know people for who they are rather than what they look like and make deeper connections as a result because we're so frequently writing people off based on their hair color, their height, their skin color, to be honest, like our ethnicity, our genders, like we have all of these assumptions wrapped in based on visual cues and, you know, maybe we could get to know people for deeper things. And so... I started working on it right around the start of the pandemic, um, initially thinking it would be a live event experience, pivoted from that very quickly because COVID has really um, took over and, and kind of just required some changes. But I'm actually super excited about building it as an app because that means it's a far more scalable solution, like solution to this problem and something that people can, you know, experience no matter where they are and where they live. Uh, and so, yeah, that's that's a little bit about how it came to be and how I came to start working on it. The courage to dine in the dark. I mean, that that's beyond me because I have a lot of food picadillos that I don't know what I'd be eating and I just be, have anxiety. But it's really awesome that it was, you know, a life altering uh, event for you because now you're building this app and, and really pushing the boundaries of that. And I love the, the scalability because, yeah, having an in-person event is great, but now you can impact the whole world, which is really, really cool. So yeah. we've heard from the founders of you can book me uh, that building a software product is a ton of ton of work many ups and downs so what have been some big wins that you've seen with blink and where do you see that app uh, the app going 
Yeah. So one of our early wins was um, our podcast and how well that did. So while we were thinking about this concept, we wanted to validate, you know, are people going to like this? Do people want to date this way? And we did a proof of concept podcast season one, and we're actually doing season two now that we had, you know, daters, complete strangers sign up and we matched them for dates. And we were shocked because even the people who didn't, you know, want to continue the conversation with their partner still wanted to repeat the experience. And that was to us a sign like, okay, you know, it's fine that people aren't matching necessarily. It's still a better way to date. It's a way to date that people are enjoying. And in addition to that, it was like a great tool to be able to show other people like this is what it's like to go on a voice only date. This is what this means. This is what the experience can be like. You can actually make a real connection in 10 minutes or rule out a a connection in 10 minutes. And so that was a really awesome um, experience to be able to kind of host that, get that validation uh, and continue building on it. So we're, we're going into season two and that's super exciting for us. Um, another really big win that was very recent. We finally got our, our app approved by the app store. It took a lot of back and forth. <laughs> it was, took a lot longer than it, we honestly expected. Um, so we're super excited to be able to finally launch the app and see it kind of grow at scale and do our beta in Los Angeles and eventually launch in other cities. Uh, so super big and exciting things on the horizon for us that we're, we're really looking forward to. Yeah. I, I love the proof of concept of the date in a blink podcast. Cause you're like, let's put two strangers together, see what happens. Now on that, do you give them like prompts to talk about or or is it just like, good luck? Well, we're just sitting here. We're all listening. So have fun. <laughs> we give them one prompt. We get, we start, it's a 10 minute date. So it's super quick. And we give them one prompt. We let them know they can answer it or not. If you know, if they hate it, and most of them answer it. Some of them spend a lot of time on it. And some of them are like, Hey, we answered it. Let's move on to other things, but it helps break the ice. And it also helps take the you know, shift them away from the, you know, typical uh, topics, which, you know, what do you do for a living yeah. and things like that, which, you know, are, are helpful to know in some regards. But when you're trying to get to know someone as a prospective partner, isn't necessarily, you know, a determinant of whether or not you're compatible. And so we think it's a good way to get people onto a different conversation. Yeah, track. I've listened to a few episodes and you can kind of tell immediately when they're jiving and when they're not. And it's like, right. it's, it's really great. <laughs> it's it's awesome to listen to. Uh, so anybody that's listening to this should check out Date in a Blink. It's really, really great to yeah. great to experience that. I don't know if I'd have the courage. Fortunately, you know, I, I've been <laughs> married for nearly a decade, so I don't have to worry about dating or any of the apps or anything, but I don't think I'd survive if that was the case. <laughs> so I imagine the team, you know, at Blink is very small. So I'd love to learn how you're able to do it. So what other what other processes are, are you working on or what, what do you have in place to help you do do more? Yeah, so we actually we use Asana at Blink and it is incredibly helpful. We very easily can assign each other things and stay in touch about, you know, what the other person is doing. There are, there's only a two, team of two of us right now and we have some other people helping with other tasks like podcast editing. We have an intern. So we have a couple more people on our Asana board, but it's a pretty small team and it helps us kind of stay on top of what we we have to do and what other people are able to execute as well, which has a trickle effect obviously um, when we're working on larger projects. Beyond that, um, from our perspective, processes sort of like are like traffic signals. There's not a lot of traffic on our highway right now, so we don't need a ton of it. But I imagine as we grow and as we scale, we'll definitely need more of that. And I'm excited. Obviously, I love processes where processes are needed. And so I'm excited to be able to kind of see where we need improvements and efficiencies and, and apply processes as needed. 
Yeah, I'm sure as you grow, there'll be more more time for that, and then internal documentation, all the all that good stuff. Um, that again, only only a handful of people that want to geek out about, right? Yes. But I I love all that. It's all good stuff. So so, do you have any advice for someone looking to start a side business while working full time as you're doing it, and you've done it in the past too? Yeah. So a tip that my law professor once gave a, a handful of us was, um, and this was in connection to her having a child, but it applies, I think, broadly. There's never a good time. You just have to take the plunge. In her case, she, she had a child while she was a Supreme Court clerk. Like she was, she had a busy, busy life and she still did it. And that was because she wanted to. And I think the same applies here. Having a, building a startup is sort of like having a baby. It's, you know, a ton of work. It's, everyone's going to give you advice, even if you don't ask for it. Like it's, it's, um, something that can be really scary and daunting, uh, but you just have to take the plunge and dive in and know that you'll figure things out as you go through it. Um, and then the other thing that I would say is start small um, and set realistic goals and break down tasks because it's one thing to think, I want to build XYZ thing that's going to change the world. Like that's a, an incredible goal. But if you keep thinking about that as your step one, you're never going to get there because it's too big. And so start, start, start small and say, okay, what do I have to do to get to that, you know, lofty goal? I need to figure out, you know, if you're building a, an app, like who's going to build it for me or can I build it myself? Am I going to go to a, a boot camp? Um, am I going to start looking for other people to do it for me? Then I need to start asking people for recommendations and having these conversations and just, you know, think small and set small milestones. And if you're working full time simultaneously, be realistic and kind to yourself because you're not going to be able to build as fast as other people might expect. Some people might say it should take only three months to do something. If it takes you six or eight or 10 because you're doing other things, that's okay. You should, you know, know that that's normal and you don't have to, you know, meet other people's expectations in order to meet your own. And so be kind to yourself and just dive in and enjoy the journey. Great, great advice. The, there's never a good time. So just start. And in every journey of a thousand steps, you know, it starts with one. So it's chip away at it and just figure out what that next step is. Because I imagine, you know, with you and your your app, you have a big vision for it, but you're like, what's that next thing we have to do and get the app into Apple? Like yeah. that's, you know, that's a big, big step I there. Did it. So it's really, yes, you did it. So I'd love to, you know, drill a bit further into your personal productivity. So what are the one or two things that you that you have in place that are the biggest impact to managing, you know, your busy life? So what you talked about the to-do list, but anything anything a bit bit more that we could drill into there. I think the the thing about the to-do list that I just want to emphasize cuz they really are what helped me with my productivity across the board is once I put something in my to-do list, it's completely gone from my active memory. I don't think about it again. And that really helps me focus on the things that I need to do in the exact moment, knowing that I don't I'm not like forgetting anything, I don't have to worry about anything else. And I know just by having the system that like whenever it is that I set that reminder, it's going to come back up and I'll either deal with it then or find a better time for it. And so I think it's, that's the thing that really works well for me, the ability to focus on the now by putting everything else in a different bucket. Um, and so that's for me, I, I would say the, the biggest benefit of using to-do lists. The other thing is I would just say I design a lot of things in my life for efficiency purposes. Um, whether it's, you know, where you put things in the kitchen, which might be something everyone does, or how I organize our furniture, um, where we put our dog's stuff, like everything is just designed to be more efficient. And it's sometimes like, 
like I feel like almost a neurosis because I'm like, oh, this could be better in a better place or this could be better and I should build it, you know, find a very specialized item to hang this thing in this one place. But it, it's something that honestly I kind of enjoy and it brings me like a lot of happiness once I, I get things into that optimal state. And yeah, I don't know. I, I it's that those are my two things, I guess. Now, two follow-up questions with that. With the to-do list, is it just one giant to-do list that you're working through or do you have different ones for like, say, your full-time job, your personal life, and then blink? How do you, how do you manage manage those buckets? I do have different ones. So I use reminders on the Mac for all my personal stuff. I use Asana for my, my day job and for blink. Um, and I used to use Monday for work at uh, Netflix when I was there. So I've used all the different tools. I've tried other ones. Um, I do like compartmentalizing it, but would love also being able to bring them together so I could see across, you know, my full day, what is everything. But for now, the compartmentalization is working really well. Nice. And the the second question is, was this always a skill that you had of just finding that in, uh, inefficiencies and fixing it from like a younger age? Do you remember the first time that you're like, oh, this is an idea for me to do this better? I, I imagine you, the kid on the playground being like, well, let's play this game this way and you can stand over there and we can make it all different. You know, I think so. I'm trying to think of an example from my youth. Actually, when I was in high school, um, I was really close to one teacher. And I remember over the summer, like in those early days where the teachers have to come in, but the students don't, I actually went in and helped one of my teachers organize her classroom. And I don't know why I did it. I don't know if she asked me. I don't know if I offered. I don't remember. But I just remember I got a couple of friends and we just spent the day organizing this classroom. And it just brought me so much joy um, to like put things in like, you know, their you know, proper places with other things that are alike and like make the space more welcoming and happy. So I, I like organizing things both digitally and like tangibly. And it just, for me, it just was something that, I don't know, makes me happy. I, I, I don't really know exactly why. Maybe seeing the end result, the process, but it, it's just kind of fun and I find it really rewarding. Yeah. And, and awesome that you're leaning into that. Any chance you get, you're like, we can make this better. We could do it differently. It's really great that you're not, you know, you're not shadowed, you know, in the shadows worrying about that. So, so you mentioned a little bit earlier about the scaling, scaling blink and, and kind of getting that launch. So I'd love to, to hear what's next, what's next for you in, in that journey. Yeah. So the beta is going to be next, which I'm really excited about. It's been a long time coming. I'm hoping also one day to be able to go full-time on Blank. So that'll be a big um, next step. Um, and then season two of Date in a Blank, like I said, we're recording the episodes now. We're also in this season recording episodes with relationship experts to talk about the different dates that we're hosting. So that's really fun to be able to like add to it and have it grow. Um, and then fundraising for Blank. That's another really big one. So we're hoping to raise our first round and be able to leverage that and kind of in, in launching our, our LA, like broader launch post beta and then beyond. Um, so super excited for all of those things. Um, and I'm, I know that it's a lot, but I'm also, I'm going to use all of these things that I usually do to stay on top of it all. Um, and I'm super excited for all of it. Yeah, that sounds like an exciting next year for you of, you know, getting some some pitches out 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 of the way, get some investors. That's really great to get some runway to really scale things, scale things up. Excited for Date in a Blink as well. I'm going to be binging all those episodes because it's really some of them are cringy, but it's also really, really awesome to just see people being vulnerable and just, um, you know, getting to know one each other hope, on, on a real personal level. I hope when you say cringy, you mean like the, oh, this isn't working, not like cringy, like... Oh, this is, no, this is terrible. 
exactly like it's not working yeah. like you're like oh that's that's not a good match you know because you can spot it right away of just the mannerisms of people as they're talking but um you know i'm sure people will find that in the app too which is great because it's like you know a real quick way to to find out you know who you're compatible with without all the other biases as you mentioned yeah. so so where can where can people go to learn more about everything everything that you're working on yeah so for more info on date in a blank folks can find us on social at date in a blank they can also go to date in a blank.com if they want to sign up and participate themselves. For more info on Blink Date, they can find us at The Blink Date on all of the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of those good things. And also our website, www.theblinkdate.com. And then if folks want to connect with me and talk about anything productivity or organization or anything like that, they can find me on LinkedIn. I'm always excited to talk about those things too. Yeah, great. We'll add all the links to, to the blog post um, that we'll be putting putting up with this. So, Tali, I want to thank you so much for for giving me your time because you're so busy and filling us in on everything that you're doing to manage manage your 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 life and make it a lot less chaotic um, and and chip away at those big goals. So, really, really thank you for being on Get More Done. And it was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for having me. All right, have a good one. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Get More Done. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform to get updates of future episodes. Want to be a guest? Reach out to community at youcanbook.me or visit getmoredone.youcanbook.me. If you or your team want to automate your scheduling, sign up for a free two-week trial at youcanbook.me. What will you do with all the time that you save?